0: For those who I do not know, my name is Nick, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New Vision, and if this is your first time with us, either you're watching online or at Buchanan, we are so glad that you are here, and hopefully you feel like family, Already, Over the last few weeks, we have been walking slowly through the book of Hebrews, and we have seen all kinds of things that Jesus is greater than. We also have been walking through that on our podcast every single day, so if you have not tuned into that, that will be helpful to you as well. But we have seen that Jesus is greater than angels, we've seen that he is greater than prophets, and we're going to continue to see that he is greater than any debt that we owe. And today, before we dive in full to what the Lord has for us today, I want to take a moment and pray pray intentionally. Here's what I want us to pray for together. I believe that maybe for somebody in this place, someone watching online, someone at Buchanan, I believe that maybe, just maybe, they have heard a lot about Jesus, they've even seen some evidence of his work, but yet have never accepted the gift of salvation from Jesus. So today, I want us to pray together that those that have been maybe not yet alive will become alive today. I'm praying that maybe today some shackles will fall off. I'm praying today that you take a step into this new life in this identity that is rooted in Jesus. That's what we're praying for today. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. My prayer for us over the next few moments is that we get a clear picture of you that we will be reminded that our salvation is not rooted in our good work, but yet it is a gift of you. And may we be reminded that we cannot lose a gift that we did not pay for. And so, Jesus, I pray that you move. I pray that shackles will fall, and I pray that life will happen. And so, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And, Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. All right, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 5. If you're doing it on your smart device, go ahead and click on the Bible app. Go ahead and tap to Hebrews chapter 5. And we're going to begin in verse 11. Verses, chapter 5, verse 11 through 6, have been tripping people up for years and years and years and years. Because if we just blow past it, it could seem that the writer of Hebrews is saying that, hey, you can lose your salvation. But actually what the writer of Hebrews is saying to this audience of people who have said yes to Jesus, people who have not said yes to Jesus, is hear me. There are some of you in your company that have experienced all the things of Jesus. You have seen him move. You participated in corporate worship. You have seen God move, but yet you are unmoved, and you have not moved to a place of surrender. And the writer of Hebrews is writing specifically to that audience and just saying, hey, it is time to accept the free gift of salvation. It is time to say yes, because you are not promised tomorrow. The second thing I want to remind us of as we navigate is that you cannot lose your salvation. You cannot lose something you did not earn, everybody. And for some of you, maybe the tradition you grew up in taught you something differently. But I would say on the narrative of scripture and what we see through the posture of God is that he has completed the work and offered it as a gift to us. And because he has offered it, because he made a way, we cannot lose something that we have accepted from the king. And if you are like, Nick, I'm going to email you because I disagree, go ahead and email me. I may or may not return that email, but it's going to be okay. Um, But we will walk together. I'm just joking. I'll return your email. I promise. Um, Are y'all ready? Hebrews chapter 5, you there? you ready? Here we go, Hebrews 5 verse 11. We have had much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Let me pause right here. It feels as if the writer of Hebrews is coming in hot. Let me tell you what I mean. Is they really want this audience to understand that it is time that if you have said yes to Jesus, it is time to be in that progress, it is time to walk this out, and it is time to respond. It's as if they already know that some in that audience will not be receiving that. So they are coming in hot. Here's an example of coming in hot. Let's say for you, and I know this is probably not your story, but let's say it was a wrestling match to get your kids in the car today. Let's say you told them five minutes ago to have their shoes on, to brush their teeth, and your middle child came outside with no shoes, and his breath was hot, okay? And this already put you in a posture of, Lord, Lord, help us. And let's say when you were coming into the parking lot today, someone stole your spy. You're like, listen, Lord, I want to go in here and hear this, but I'm about to hit somebody. And let's just say that you came in here, you checked your kids in, you lost your security tag, and you're thankful for security, but today you're not thankful for security because you lost it somewhere between dropping them off and sitting down. And you're like, you can have them. And so maybe you came in here a little hot. Maybe you came with your heart not ready to receive a word from the Lord. You came in hot. See, this writer of Hebrews is like, come on, everybody. Hear this truth and respond to this truth. It is time to grow. It is time to move. It is time for us to respond to the goodness of the king with our lives. Not trying to earn something but responding to something that has been received. Verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Here's the point. A fitting response to the goodness of the king is a step of faith. Now, some of you might be wondering, Nick, how did you get that point from what we just read? Here's what I'm saying. What the writer of Hebrews is saying to this audience is this. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you should respond to that by growing in faith, by walking with Jesus. If you saw me at Cracker Barrel after service today, and you walked by my table, and you did not see me with a biscuit and gravy, but you saw me sipping on a bottle of Similac, you would judge a brother, amen? And some of you are like, Nick, we shouldn't judge. you. I give you permission to judge a brother if I'm sipping on Similac. And the reason why you would judge me is you would go, Nick, you're a 40-year-old grown man. Why are you drinking Similac? Put the Similac down and pick up a biscuit. That's what you would say to me. Because I have grown to a place where I am now ready for solid food. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, put down the Similac. It is time to pick up solid food because you are experiencing the kingdom. You are walking in the kingdom. So respond accordingly. You should be growing in your faith because where there is life, there is growth. And you might be sitting there thinking those online, you might be going, Nick, I hear people talk about growth all the time, but I'm not even sure what that means. Like, I say yes to Jesus, I took the next step of obedience, which is baptism, but I'm not even sure what it means to grow. I'm going to give you a practical step that everyone can take in order to grow in your faith. You may have heard me say a few times that I love me some Tony Evans, right? Because I do. He's, I'm going to see him in January, and we're going to become best friends. Not in a creepy way, but he's going to want to be my friend. I'm convinced. But when you leave here today, or even tomorrow, I'm going to encourage you to take this step where you can apply this growing. Go to Christian Publishers Outlet, go to one of the nice people that work there and say, hey, sir, hey, ma'am, where is a Tony Evans study Bible? You go over to the study Bible, you get the study Bible, you begin to read, and what you're going to find is that as you're reading maybe in John, you're reading John chapter 1, you're like, what is John saying? God, what Jesus has been here, like he's, he's the word, the word was with, like what does any of that mean? You can look down below in your study section and it will explain to you what John is saying, and here's what I believe, the better we see the king, the better we can live like the king. So that's a practical step you can take today, Hebrews beginning in verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. What the writer of Hebrews is continuing to say is we should be taking continual, intentional steps to grow, to see Jesus, and to reflect him in the way that we live. We should respond to this good news of the gospel with our lives. So these next verses that we're about to get in, beginning in verse number four, have tripped people up for years. And again. I don't believe it has to trip us up. I don't believe the writer of Hebrews is saying you can lose something because the writer of Hebrews knows that you cannot earn salvation. You can only receive it. But what the writer of Hebrews is going to say, there are. let me lay out some different experiences that people have had with Jesus. They may have participated. They may have heard. They may have seen signs and wonders. But yet they still have a posture of unbelief and not receiving this gift. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking to, beginning in verse 4. He says this about those people. It is impossible for those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit. So he's saying for those, kind of like what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 13 when he talks about the different soils, some of you have received the seed, the seed that's fallen on you, but it has not taken root in the soil. It has not gone deep. It has not been received. So you've seen the seed, you've heard about the seed, but you've never surrendered to the seed that was thrown. Verse five, you have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. Maybe you have sat in church your whole life. Maybe what the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, you have experienced things of God. You have experienced corporate worship. You have sent something moving, but yet you are unmoved and unchanged, and you have not received this gospel. I am talking to you. Verse six. And who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss... They are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. And so he's saying, listen, for those who have heard and seen but yet have not tasted, what else can be offered? What else can be shown? The truth will set you free if you're willing to receive the key of freedom. Verse number seven. Land that drinks in the rain, often fallen on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. When we read that, we're like, uh-oh. Let me go ahead and say this. Hell was not intended for any of the people in God's creation. Hear me. See, I hear this like God sending them to hell or God sending them to hell. Can I just tell you something? God God does not want to allow anyone to go to hell and be separated from him. And you go, Nick, how do you know that? Because there was no price he was not willing to pay, so we didn't have to taste of that. He surrendered his son paying a price that he did not owe so that we all can have a seat at the table of the king. And if we choose to be separated from the king, we have to go around his resurrected body to do so. It was never intended for the people and the creation of God. It was made for the evil one and his demons. But yet we can choose not to embrace this gift. My point coming after all this is not going to make sense, but I'll explain it. There is nothing greater than a five star meal. Some of y'all are thinking, Nick, why are you always talking about food? Don't judge me, y'all. I talk about food so often because we all can relate. You know, everyone has had a good meal that made you want to slap somebody, and you can relate. But I had a friend who gave me a gift certificate to go to a restaurant locally called Five Senses. Have you never been there? You need to go. If you've been there, praise the lamb, okay? But let's say this friend says, hey, Nick, I want you to go to five senses. And I go, okay. And let's just say I walked in there and they said, Mr. Person, we have your table. We're going to take you. And I go, you know what? I don't want to sit down. I just want to graze the food. Let let me see what it is. Let me receive it a little bit. But I don't want to sit down to really enjoy the meal. So they bring out the first course. They bring out a charcuterie board, everybody. Some of y'all like a charcuterie who? I'll explain It has like nuts and cheese and some jelly uh, on it. And let's say you have some blue cheese and you're like, oh, that's too blue for me. Let's say they bring out a goat cheese and you're like, oh, that's not really my jam. Or let's say you don't like the cherry preserves that they put on the plate and you go, I like strawberry. You kind of graze, but you never embrace. And then they bring out a Caesar salad and you're like, you know what? That Caesar salad is a little too Caesary for me. I don't, mm, it's okay. It's kind of, the presentation is nice, but no. And then let's say they bring out the cornbread. Praise the Lord for the cornbread, and they bring you the honey butter to go with it. And you go, you know what? I'm not really a cornbread kind of a person. I really enjoy wheat rolls. I would judge you, but that's fine. And then let's say they bring out the filet mignon, it's medium. It's juicy. There's some blue cheese butter on top just getting in the cracks and the crevices. Praise him. And let's say you take a bite of that and you go, "Mmm, it's a little too tender. It melts in my mouth. Uh. But the server is going to bring you out one more opportunity. He's going he's to bring you out the strawberry cake with the brass horn coffee. It has vanilla bean whipped cream on top and has lavender whipped cream around it. Perfectly brewed cup of coffee. And you take a bite and you're like, "Ugh, I like chocolate cake. You sip the coffee. They should have went with a latte. I want it to be more cream than coffee. And eventually, the server's not going to bring out any more food. Because after you've had a five-course meal, what else can the restaurant present to you in order to show you the goodness of the meal? And so you walk away, and you never embrace it, and you never sat down. And Jesus has done this on our behalf. He's invited us. He's shown us. He's displayed his goodness. He's displayed his grace, and he has offered it. And some of us go, hmm, what else you got? Y'all, let me just tell you Something. Being resurrected from the grave is a pretty big deal. Paying the cost of sin on the cross on our behalf is a really big deal. And for some, especially in this context and even in our context today, they still don't sit down and dine at the table of the paid meal. They taste and see, but they are unmoved and unchanged. J.D. Gers says this. This passage does not teach you that you can lose your salvation, but it does teach you something important about the nature of saving faith. It endures to the end. And again, you can't lose a free gift you didn't pay for. Jesus paid for the invitation at the table. Jesus made a way where there was no way. And he has offered us this gift, but we do have a response to make, and that's to receive the gift. Y'all, I like presents. I don't know anybody in here who's like, I don't like presents, but I like presents. And um, over this last season, there has been a lot to celebrate. I turned 40, I graduated with my master's, and I'm going to get another present because Father's Day is coming, praise the Lamb. And so I have been getting a lot of different presents, and I love it. Sometimes I like it when the attention's on me sometimes, but I'm in progress, y'all. And so... Something I'm learning to love more and more, y'all, is Legos. Some of you are judging me right now. Nick, you're a 40-year-old grown man. Why are you playing with Legos? Why don't you back up off me, okay? I love it. I love them. I don't love them in the middle of the night and you find them with your foot, but I do like them otherwise. And so for one of the celebrations, one of the gift-giving opportunities that I've had, I got this. It's a Lego Jeep. And let's just say when I got the gift, I was like, oh, look at that Lego Jeep. That is nice. Looks like a Jeep. It can roll by itself. You can turn the wheels. It's pretty cool. What even if I picked it up and looked at it and said, oh, that's so nice? What if I put it on the shelf in my office, and even though it was a gift, I've never embraced the gift. I just looked at it. And I would dare say that the gift has never been fully embraced. But you know what I did? I opened up. The box, y'all. I opened up the box and I embraced the gift. And I took all the pieces that were given to me and I started to put the pieces together to look like what was intended by the gift. It took time, it took energy, it took effort. And here's the other thing there were moments when I put it together wrong. I had it wrong, y'all. And I had to remove some pieces. In that time, it was revealed to me where I am in my sanctification process, and I'm not as far as I need to be, but I'm still in process. But the more I put the pieces that were given to me together, the more I applied the pieces, the more it began to look like what was intended by the gift. And you could tell because now I'm holding this gift, there is evidence that I have embraced the gift. What do I mean by that? Why would I spend the last three minutes telling you about this gift that I received? Because that's the gospel. We receive this gift, and we embrace this gift, and we walk out this gift, and we walk differently in light of the gift. I didn't put the Jeep together to earn the gift. No, I received the gift, and in light of me receiving the gift, it now looks more like what was intended. For some of us, if you have received the gift, then it's time to walk in light of the gift. For some of you who know about the gift and could de- describe to me about the Jeep and can describe to me how the Legos look like, but yet you have not taken them as your own, I would say it's time to receive the gift and walk in the gift. Verse 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Here's my takeaway. For those who have been satisfied, there is a worshipful response. Where there is life, there is growth. There should be a response to being satisfied and your way being paid by the life of Jesus on the cross. There should be a response. Paul says this to the church in Rome in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, whose mercy? Y'all, you gonna have to put some bass in your voice and respond. <laughs> whose mercy? God. So, in view of God's mercies, I urge you, brothers and sisters. In view of whose mercy again? God. Okay. So, not in view of your mercy. Not in view of your completed works and you being good enough. No, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God gave you, in view of what wasn't given to you because Jesus paid the price and took on your punishment on your behalf. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is true and proper worship. Because we've been satisfied, we respond with a worshipful response. This is true and proper worship. I had a pastor I worked with tell me this. He said, Nick, the hard part about a living sacrifice is we are quick to crawl off the altar. So what does it mean to respond well to this gift of salvation that was given to us through the completed work of Jesus? That means we serve. Why? Not because we're adding a to-do list to the list of things. We serve because Jesus served us. The king stepped out of glory and served us. He washed people's nasty feet, y'all. He served he did not come to be served, but to serve. So in response to the king, we go and do likewise, and we serve. Some of y'all, when we talk about Vacation Bible School, y'all are like, I don't like kids. I don't like them. They smell funny. They don't listen. It's hot. I don't have to serve. I can serve another way. Hear me. Yes, you can serve in another way, but maybe this is the invitation. Some of us are like, Lord, give me a sign. You're like, oh, well, I've heard that video five times, but give me another sign. Daniel's like, hey, for those who are wondering if they should serve for VBS, serve. Like, yeah, you got to be more clear, Lord. Listen, and hear me. We don't serve because we have to. Hold up. We serve because we get to. We get to represent the king. Do you know who you were before Jesus? Woo! And you get to be his ambassador. He has called you and made a way for you to be his ambassador. So you get to go and do likewise. So let us serve because our king has served. We also give. What do we give? We give of our treasures. We give of our time. We give of our talents. And I want to say this because some of you are thinking, all the church wants is your money. I'm gonna be, I want you to hear this. God does not need your money, y'all. Some of us have this posture like we're doing God a favor by giving. You're just being obedient because the king changed your life and you want to give towards his purposes. That's why you give. And let me also say this it is a much better posture to live with an open handed posture than a closed handed posture. Here's the other thing by living with an open hand posture, you can receive what God has for you. And so he doesn't need our money, but he invites us to be a part of building a kingdom. That will last forever. We share. What do we share? We share how Jesus has changed our life. We share our stuff. And you might be going, but Nick, I don't know enough to share. Do you have a moment where Jesus intersected your life and you were different because of it? You've got something to share. You might go, but Nick, I don't know a lot of scripture and I don't have verses memorized. You have a story to tell. Tell it. And hear me. You don't just share it with people who look like you or vote like you or think like you, who do you share it with? Everybody. If you need to spell that, that's E-R-R body. Everybody. Everybody. Why? Because everyone needs the good news of the gospel, and Jesus died on the cross so everybody could dine at his table. doesn't matter what Tax bracket you're in, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter where you come from, everyone is invited to the table. And so let us not dare be a people who choose and pick who we invite and who we share the good news of the gospel with. We are kind. Woo! We are kind. Why? Because Jesus has been kind to you, in spite of everything, in spite of all the ways we have fallen short, Jesus has been kind to us. Think about this. Think about when we leave here today and we go bless Murfreesboro with our presence at the restaurants. Think about when we walked in. Think about if those in the food service industry were excited and not nervous when we came. What if today? In spite of the server having a bad day, in spite of you not getting the right drink, in spite of you not getting a fourth thing of ketchup, you still were kind to them. Y'all need that ketchup anyways. What if we tipped people, wait for it, y'all, wait for it, not based on service, but based on our posture and the posture the king had with us? I don't hear many amens on that. Like, you know what I believe, and maybe I'm crazy to believe this, but I believe that there can be a season for Murfreesboro when the church doors open and we go out into the world, that the world's excited because the people of God are coming and they act different. They are different. They're giving off the aroma of a kingdom that they don't fully understand, but they want to be around it. Did you notice with Jesus people wanted to be around him? Because he met them right where they were. He was like, listen, you have a place at my table even before you believe anything, but I'm inviting you. What if we were a kind people? What if the way that we knew Jesus as kind that led us to repentance, what if we played our part in that? Another thought. Because we're going to go in on tip and let's just go all in. What if people were excited about what you posted on social media because you were kind? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Like, what if you were just sharing what Jesus was doing in your life? You were sharing funny stories from your kids. You were even sharing when you had bad days, but you were kind in it. What if your coworker who may not know Jesus yet go, listen, my friend Sarah, we don't believe the same thing, but I cannot argue that she is kind. Now, this is what the Lord is using to reveal himself to an unbelieving world. What if we stepped into it and we pray? Hear me, prayer is dialogue, everybody. If it's a one way conversation, that's called monologue. That means there is talking and there's this other part called listening. And some of us go, Well, I don't know what to say to the king. What would you say to your best friend? What would you say to a friend? That's how you have been invited to talk to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, because he called you friend first. Hebrews verse 13, let's finish up. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope. I love this, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Why is this anchor for the soul, firm and secure? Because it is rooted in Jesus' completed work, not our own. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You have been given a seat at the table. Keep eating. I love what Mark Batterson has to say about Jesus' completed work on our behalf. He says, all of our sin is transferred to Christ's account, and all of his righteousness is transferred to our account. God cancels our debt, writes us into his will, and calls it even. That's a good place to amen, y'all. In John chapter 19, Jesus is being crucified. He's paying the debt that we could not pay, and this is what he says in the midst of that. Verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In Greek, it is finished is tetelestai. It is finished. What was finished? All the debt was paid in full. What is there left to pay if all the debt has been paid in full, everybody? Say it again. Nothing. He paid it in full. We just have to accept it. We get to accept the debt and the payment on the cross that he paid for all of the ways we fall short. So maybe you're sitting here and you're going, okay, Nick, what? What do you want me to do with that? Well, I would explain it this way. So last weekend, I already told you guys I graduated, and and my dad showed up to my graduation. And I don't know if it's an age thing, but my dad got there like an hour plus early, (laughs) y'all. Like we were taking pictures with the other graduates, and I see my dad pull up. I'm like, brother, it's an hour before you need to be here. And I walk over to his car, and he's so excited, and he's like, yeah, you know, i get here early. don't want to miss anything. I was like, an hour, an hour. But he gets his phone out, which sometimes with my dad, it takes a moment for that picture to get taken. Bless his heart. We love him anyways. And he goes, here, I want to give you. So he gave me this card. It's a nice envelope. He gave me the card. And we go through the ceremony. He's watching him sitting next to my wife. And they're watching and they're encouraging. We take pictures at the end. And we are driving away. And my dad calls me. And I love my dad. And my dad calls me and says, hey. I said, yes, sir. Don't throw that card away. I was like, okay, Father. He said, because it's not just a card. I don't want you thinking that it was just a card. I want you to open that card up because I got something in there for you. And he was so proud, y'all. He's like, so don't throw the card away. I want you to receive that. I said, well, yes, sir. I wasn't going to throw it away. And then shortly thereafter, I opened it up. And it was really nice. And he wrote some really nice things on it, which I kind of read. But then I saw what was in the card. It was a $100 bill, y'all. And I was like, whoa. Even though I'm 40 years old, there's something about having a $100 bill that makes you strut. Am I right? And you almost want to tell everybody, I got a $100 bill. And it's real. (laughs) But I looked at it, and here's the thing about this $100 bill. Y'all, I didn't do anything to get it. But my father worked over 50 years so he can be retired now, and he still works a side job now. My father went to his account... And he took out a $100 bill, or maybe he went inside of the bank and said, I need a $100 bill because I'm giving it to my boy. And the person in the bank I said, but what did he do to deserve the $100? I was like, what did him? And my dad just said, No you know what? I just want to give it to him because I'm proud of him and I love him and I'm in relationship with him. So my dad gave me this $100 bill and I did not earn it. And so I could have let the card stay in my car. I could have thrown away the card. I could have put the card on my desk. I could have done lots of different things with the card. But here's what I did with it. I opened the card, and I took the $100 bill out, y'all, and I put it in my wallet because this is my $100. And no, I didn't earn it, but, man, I'm going to receive this gift. And, y'all, I'm going to be real with you, and my wife knows this. Y'all pray for her. I already got shoes in the cart that are ready for the buying. Why? Because I took ownership of the $100. So for you who's asking, for those online who's asking, so what, Nick, what do I do with this? Here's what I would say to you. Today is the day that you receive the gift of the king and make that $100 your own. It is offered to you right where you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to jump through any hoops. Only thing you have to do is to take a hold of it and receive it. Because it's been paid in full on your behalf. So if you would, I want you to bow your heads. For some of us right here and right now, maybe for some of us watching online in front of our computer screen, maybe for some of us in Buchanan right now, maybe for some of us right here in this room, today is the day where you say yes to the gift. You've heard about the gift. People have told you about the gift. There have been many ways the gift has been offered to you but yet you have not received the gift. Today is the day where you receive the gift. So right here, right now, in this moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to receive the gift of salvation that you could not buy, that you could not purchase because your account was bankrupt. But because of what Jesus has done, he has given you salvation, he has offered it to you, paying for it in full through his life, his crucifixion, his death, And his resurrection over the grave. So right here and right now, if you could say something like this to Jesus right now. Dear Jesus, I do not understand it all. Nobody does. But in the best way I know how, I say yes to the perfect life you lived, the life I was unable to live. I say yes to the fact that you gave your life on a cross, paying a debt I was unable to pay because I was bankrupt. I say yes to the fact that three days later you overcame sin and the grave, and through you and your completed work, I'm able to overcome sin and the grave through you and you alone. I say yes to my seat at your table. I say yes to my robe of righteousness that you have given to me. And I say yes to the family signet ring showing that I am a part of the family of God. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. So I say yes. If you're watching online, if you're watching in McKenna, or you hear my words in this room on the authority of God's word, now Nick's opinion not just another book I've read, but on the authority of God's word, it says you are saved. And maybe you're sitting in this place right now, maybe you're sitting online and you just said yes to Jesus and you're nervous. You're not sure what to do. I'm gonna give you a bold next step to take immediately. This is for those in this room and others who hear my voice. If you just said yes To Jesus, I want you to take a bold step with heads bowed and eyes closed to raise your hand. Go ahead, right where you are. Raise your hand right where you are. I just want to see so I can pray for you. I see you. I see you. I see you. For those online that raised their hand, for those at Buchanan that raised their hand, in just a moment, Pastor Todd online is going to give you next steps what to take. For those at Buchanan, Pastor Ben is going to lead you into what next steps? And for those in this place, if you raised your hand just now, I'm going to give you a bold next step, and it's a bold one. In just a moment, Daniel's going to lead us in singing a song. I'm going to have some staff friends to come down front, and I'm going to ask you, when Daniel begins singing and when our staff begins moving, I want you to come tell somebody that you said yes to Jesus. You can say, hey, I accepted the $100 bill. And let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to encourage you. We're going to get your information so we can walk well with you and encourage you on this journey. But I'm asking you to be courageous and I'm asking you to be bold. So Jesus, when we stand and sing, may those who have just been called to life respond. And Lord, maybe there is someone in our midst that didn't raise their hand for whatever reason. Lord, I pray that you will give them boldness and the audacity to move. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you, and Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen.